Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, hello. Welcome back. FixTheNation.com. Yours truly, John A. Jensen, talking to you from uh, United States of America. Go figure. Um, tonight, I'm going to talk about Trump and the people around him, the cabinet, and a whole bunch of different angles on people. We're going to focus on the people piece. Um, usually we talk policy. This is going to be more about people. Because um, there are so many different angles that we can go. Um, just a quick reminder to people who have joined us that haven't done this before. Um, FixNation.com, founded about five years ago. Um, kind of took me from being a normal person and kind of cranked me up into being more of a advocate, activist, um, blogger, radio show, book writer, kind of political junkie. Um, love it. Do not play the blame game. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I play the solution game. Um, that's that's what I try to bring to the table. Um, just got finished writing a book. It's called Reality USA. It's about the Trump agenda, um, what I think he will do, combined with a little things about what I think he should do or could do. Um, it's a great read. It is av- available on Amazon.com. If you have an e-reader or paperback, feel free. Um, again, that's Reality USA. Um, thanks to all the people who've uh, taken me up on it so far. Please do review it once you read it. Um, that's important to me. Um, I want some honest feedback. Um, the other ways you can reach me here at FixNation.com is at FixNation via Twitter or suggestion box at FixNation.com. So enough about me. Let's talk some people. Um, let's do this. Let's talk about the cabinet. Um, first off, cabinet has, I think there's 16 departments, if I remember right. We only have 10 people have been confirmed. 10. We are 30 plus days past inauguration. Now that's, that's really surprising. Day one of Obama's inauguration, he had seven. So just do some rough math. There's not a lot of bang for buck in the last 30 days. And it's not that the Republicans can't pass things. It's the Democrats are really slowing things down. And there are some people that are having a little bit of bumps in the road issues for various reasons. Okay, we're going to start with Flynn, which I thought was a mistake, by the way. And not a mistake, the person. Mistake in how it was played. If you have someone who has this baggage hanging out there, yet you go through and confirm anyway in that kind of position, you're putting yourself in harm's way. That's just how the reality plays out politically. Now you become on the hook for what he already had on the table. So a little little bit of the blame does go to Trump on that for picking someone or going forward as aggressively as he did with someone who just simply should should have been put on a shelf and kind of, hey, let, let's let this play out before we get you confirmed. But the flip side is you need someone in that position, right? So it was a roll of the dice, and it didn't work out very well. Um, I'll be curious to see if this story has legs and where it goes because there's definitely some juice behind it wanting to find something if there's something to find. Um, I also think there will be some, oh, some investigation 
into how all this became so public. That's a pretty critical piece. How do you have taps on a man's phone without his knowledge? Was there an investigation that was being done that Trump was not made aware of? That's, that's pretty serious stuff. Why didn't that play out in the vetting process in detail? Anyway, let's get past Flynn because he's the obvious one. Um, a couple weird ones, not problems, just oddities. Um, DeVos, which is education, and Pruitt for EPA are both people that have been confirmed, but they have departments which they and Trump are completely agreed upon, need complete and utter revamping. Now, I'm going to say revamping because it's a nice way of saying just elimination. (laughs) Um, I think the end game for both of those departments is they get either eliminated or pushed back to the states, or a third version, they get scaled back so far they can't have any because they just don't have the manpower for it. That's my opinion. Um, but I think both DeVos and Pruitt are there for a reason. And I think they're going to get that done. I don't think it's a first-term uh, meltdown. I think it's a probably first into a second term, if it happens, situation, and they just, through attrition, through scaling back, through eliminating redundancies, just get the departments to be leaner and meaner, and in the end game, make some decisions on who needs to con- you know, control what. Because Trump is not a federal education guy. He is not a the system is perfect, keep it as is guy. Our education system is broken. He and I completely agree on that. Now the question is, what do you do with it and how fast? And politically, can you sell it to be successful? I mean, eight years ago, Obama just grabbed health care by its neck and rammed it into a different shape. How'd that work out for us? So the flip side is, do you really want Trump just to grab education, you know, by its throat, shove it into a different shape, and we can go eight years in the future and look back on this moment and say, man, why did he do that? You need to revamp it the right way and be successful with it for people to understand it now, accept it moving forward, and like the outcome from it in the aftermath. Same with EPA. There's no one on this planet that wants to kill it. There's no one that wants to destroy the earth. But there's also a need for some sanity in how many just completely, utterly useless regulations, just for regulation's sake, just to choke the life out of business, because that will stop an economy, in which case, whether we have a plan or not, we have no quality of life. So we do need to find a balance, and that's going to be a tricky job. But the people piece, really interesting. Um, the labor secretary pulled himself out of contention. Hmm. That's an interesting one. That's Putster. Um, he had a couple 
little piece of drama. He probably would have gotten through with it. But the flip side is he pulled out. Okay. Now there's a new guy in play, um, Alex Acosta, I think his name is. Um, he sounds good. He, he sounds bulletproof because he's for things that the Democrats are for. So how do you argue against someone like that? Happens to be, I think, Hispanic, um, in which case you can't play that card. Um, so it'll be curious to see how, how easy or hard a time he has to get through. Um, the, the, the trouble with the cabinet process, you can ram these people through right now, but you need the Democrats to have a voice and not feel like they're useless. And quite frankly, I think the Democrats are playing a horrible hand, led by Chuck Schumer out of New York, by the way. My state, yay. Um, I think he's really being pulled to the left by the progressives. I think he's playing a completely useless and futile hand. I cannot see this ending well for them. I'll get that in a minute. But the cabinet process, it's going to take some time to settle out. And the one thing that the Democrats are doing, that, that they are gaining something by, and it's not something directly, it's something indirectly. It's on the back end. It's called time. Because the clock has started to tick. Think politically. You have elections in 2018. People will be running for office starting in the spring or, no, the ter- let's call it January 1st. It'll heat up in the springtime and ramp up through that summer, right? So how, how many bills will get p- passed through Congress in the spring through the summer of an election year when they know, when they know that it's going to be fodder for the media and the anti-incumbents to use, right? So the clock's ticking. You need to get some work done now through this coming December because next year you're not going to get a lot done. Or if you do, you're going to give people some ammunition that works against you in November of 2018. So now they drag out the cabinet process. What happens with that? Tick, 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 tick. The clock is ticking away. Days, weeks. All of a sudden we know it, it's March. Well, now you have to confirm, you know, Gorsuch for SCOTUS. Oh, wait, now that's going to take weeks. That hearing won't be till late March. We might be into April before we actually get any kind of legislation to take the front burner. Just think about that. Because I'm going to go back in time. I would have bet you that on literally, literally, on day one, day one of his inauguration, Congress would have dropped legislation on his desk for him to sign. You have a Republican House and a Republican Senate, and you can't get anything done in 30 days. But they're so caught up in the people piece. They are so tied up in this distraction of arguing semantically about a cabinet that's going to get approved anyway because they have all the votes they need. They just simply have to work endlessly, tirelessly, 
relentlessly through this process. And until the leaders are in place, how do you staff all the subordinates? How do you pick the thousands, and I said that, thousands of people that are below the secretary level if you don't have the secretary in place of any of the departments? Of course, then you have someone like Tillerson who has a completely different take on things. Not only does he run 75,000 people, not only does he have appointments he needs to make, but he has people he needs to weed out and get out of the complete State Department to clean it up. So you have to overhire just simply to get what you need, plus have attrition. And all the departments will probably be in that, in that vein. So until the leader gets in place, you can't have, you know, his, his or her people picked. And you certainly go at, can't go after the swamp. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Right? Let's talk about people in the, the missteps of the choices made by Trump and why that matters. Um, he, he has gotten... If I had to give Trump a grade for the first 30 days since inauguration, I'd give it probably a B minus, maybe a B, somewhere in there. But I'd also give it a zero. I'll, I'll talk about the B minus first. The B minus is, I think executive order-wise, it, he's, he's true to his word. He's been extremely active. It seems every day we get a new piece of information or a speech or a presser or an executive order, there's something that happens. But again, the people piece is getting in the way of that because a lot of what you want to resonate from what he's doing gets a little diluted because the press gets so focused on you know, a confirmation hearing or you know, the drama of a certain pick and takes away a little bit of the, the oomph. Um, the executive order about immigration I'm not going to call it a misstep in what it was, but it was probably misplayed politically. And we're going to have a lot of those people. I want you to think about this. You've got a guy who's never, ever been in politics running the biggest country on the planet. He's going to make mistakes. It's just part of what's going to happen. We're going to have some awkward moments. We're also going to have to come to understand something publicly. Trump is battling endless groups of people. There is the separation of power piece. So, of course, you're going to have Congress and judicial push, or legislative and judicial, push back on the executive branch. That's just a natural way of things. You are going to have liberals or progressives push back on him for absolute politically, political reasons. You have the establishment elites, now that's both parties, by the way, both, that don't want to change this game. They have the power and the money. They have the control. Why would they want to upset that beautiful, wonderful apple cart that keeps the money rolling in? Because the right thing to do, they don't want to hear that. They worked hard to get that power and control. They have people to keep happy. They have donors they made promises to. They have lobbyists that own them. Right? 
What about the media? Media wants to keep its bias. They want to do what they want to do. They don't want to be called out, right or wrong. They don't want to be called out. They want they want to keep their territory. They want to keep their turf. It's a turf war in, in D.C. So besides weeding out people who are there for, for bad things, the swamp itself, Trump's fighting inside the GOP. He's fighting outside the GOP. He's fighting against the, the, literally the political structure itself. He's fighting the media. He's fighting a very biased, activist, judicial branch that's going to really push him back because that's the most, I'll call it the strongest way to stop him from doing anything he wants to do. So he's made some missteps, and he's got distracted. But what he needs to remember is stick to your agenda, keep moving the ball forward, It's like football. It's a game of inches. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You've got to push it forward and push it forward and push it forward. If you've ever done any kind of long-distance running, you hit certain walls, and as you run through that, your body handles it, and you can push it to the next level. Politics is a little like that. Protesters, another group of people. Now, I'm all for freedom of expression. I celebrate that. My worst enemy, I want them to have that voice. I celebrate the media and the free press. But let's get a couple things really clear. Here are the rules, people. If you're the media, you have the right to do two things. Be a journalist That's a reporting of the facts without emotion or interpretation. The interpretation is up to the reader, not the writer. The second piece is unless you are subjectively writing something that's an op-ed, an editorial, and it's completely written in that vein. You cannot combine the two. not a negotiation. That's a statement. When people refer to fake news and all those kind of very, you know, goofy things. Fake news is fake facts. Fake news is facts that are twisted into an agenda. It's a spin doctoring that doesn't exist. Protesters, the right of free expression, completely celebrate that act right up to the point of you destroy property, you do violence, okay, and it starts to go down a criminal path. Then you lose all your rights of free speech. You then become a criminal, and you should go to jail. It's that simple. The legal right to protest, legal right to protest, ends when you cross that line. But they're pushing back on Trump. And they're not going away. They're well-funded. They're quasi-organized. And the weird part is, they're probably the best voice against him because the Democrats have zero talented leadership who can sell 
any kind of a message. Zero. Let's talk about the Democrats a little bit. The Democrats are going down the obstructionist path, and they're going there willingly. They're not going there because they're only, that's their only option on the table. Trump wants to get them involved. He's asked, he's met with them. Chuck Schumer is willingly taking his people away from the process. Okay, but at some point, they're going to go nuclear, and they're going to pass anything they want to pass anyway. Now, if you're a Democrat, shame on you. You're going to lose in 2018 because you chose to not fight the fight or step into a committee meeting and have a voice at the table. I think that's horrible. You're not going to be able to stop it anyway. You might as well get something out of it that's good for yours and start a little bit of a bipartisan healing process for the country overall. So not only did the Democrats throw the Republicans out six years ago or eight years ago and say, we're not going to let you even participate, now they don't want to participate. Good luck with that. And you wonder why the Democrats have lost at every single level of government from the presidency all the way through the state and local level. You'll wonder. You'll wonder how come 37 states went red this last election. You'll wonder, right? You'll wonder how come that great blue wall the Democrats had got completely shattered in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Let's toss Ohio in there. That's not a fluke. America understands it. The Republicans understand it. Donald J. Trump absolutely understands it. And the Democrats are asleep at the wheel in the car going down, you know, a really steep hill. That's really, really sad, really scary. Um, but it's, it's theirs to fix. There's no one else in the car. So it's time for them to wake up and get it done or see in 2018. Um, the broader target audience. Now, some people think about Trump's base as being the target audience. I don't think so. When Trump talks, there are a couple different groups that he really needs to tweak with every word. The independent voter is critical. Four nations, critical. And some of the subsets inside, I will call it the normal Democrat base, are critical. What about the inner city minorities? What about the legal Hispanics? What about the legal, good, law-abiding Muslim? How you treat immigration, how you treat the economy, how you deal with the race card issue will absolutely be reflected. And you can gain some clout or lose some in how you handle things. What's the physics law? Every action has an equal or opposite, uh, equal opposite reaction. Right? 
true in politics. But it's the people piece. And one thing that Trump has is he has a wonderful, absolutely brilliant understanding of, I will call it, the American Main Street mentality. He gets it at our level. I don't mean the elites. I don't mean D.C. I don't mean in cocktail hour. No, I'm talking about the blue-collar level, the feel, the grit in Americana. He feels the lack of full-time jobs. He feels the lack of growth being key. He feels an immigration frustration. He feels us being nervous about our safety because we haven't been really led very well recently. And he taps into that. There are a lot of people that think that he is a blowhard. He's bombastic. He just shoots from the hip, and there's no point to it. I disagree a lot. I think Donald Trump is a very, very smart strategist. He's not tactical. He has strategic, impactful moments, and he's able to leverage those into a string of successes, and he gets on a run. And when he starts to get on a run, that's when he's going to start really winning. So be very curious when this people piece works itself out through the process. He has to get all of his cabinet appointees in place. He needs to get the SCOTUS confirmation with Gorsuch. He needs to get all the other appointments underneath the secretaries uh, empowered. He needs to get people like Tillerson and Kelly and DeVos and Pruitt active in their roles. Active in a destructive sense, but active in imparting the agenda that he wants done to his words – Make America great again. But to do that, he has to have the people under him that identify with his agenda and have the leadership qualities that can go affect change. And not everyone can do that. I'll go back to this. I think it will be less than two years before he fires or asks for resignation with somebody that he's chosen as a secretary – I don't mean Flynn. I mean someone that just, they'll try to affect change, won't do it nearly as well or as quick as Trump wants it done. And I think he'll pull the trigger and he'll replace him. He'll say, next up, let's go. Remember, he's a businessman. He wants results. Results speak. He doesn't like to lose. You don't become a billionaire by making bad decisions, by not being decisive. He has some issues. He personally, the person, needs to overcome. He needs to back off his micromanaging and empower his people around him. He needs to pick who he truly wants to listen to. Because I think he has kind of a committee that has his ear, and that gets a little, a little schizo. I think he needs to get his ego down a little bit. I love his work ethic. I love his passion. I think he absolutely is committed to doing what he wants to do. 
Now the question is, can he just simply pull it off? I'll be curious to see how well people like Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan work with him or not. Because remember, one of the groups that's a little bit under pressure, under attack, is the establishment elite. Part of that is the GOP establishment. You have to remember that. They are awkwardly, uncomfortably following his lead because he has all the momentum. They can't say no without looking like schmucks. But they don't want to say yes because it's against what they want to have happen because they're comfortable. They just want to get reelected. That's their game. That's what establishment people do. So again, that was the people piece. My name is John A. Jensen, founder of FixNation.com. That's what you've been listening to. Again, I did write a book, Reality USA, available right now on Amazon.com. So feel free, paperback or e-reader, take a shot. If you do, please do review it. That's always important. If you like it, spread the word. Okay, hopefully you enjoy the read. It's not a tough read. You know, it's written for Main Street. It's written to get the Trump agenda kind of, hey, there's some solutions we can have. This is what we can do. And it covers a breadth of issues. Everything you can think about is probably in that book. It's about 15 different macro chapters. So enjoy the read. Okay, thanks for listening in. God bless you, and God bless America. Take care.